Owning a home in Naperville is about living a great life today and investing in a secure tomorrow. On this show, we're going to give you the tools to do both. Welcome to the Naperville Real Estate Weekly Market Update. How's it going, Naperville? It's Chris Grano from Keller Williams Realty, your host for the Naperville Weekly Market Update. And alongside me, as always, my co-host, Todd Gazin with Compass Mortgage. Todd, how you doing? I am doing great. The weather's warming up and the snow is melting, so I'm a happy man. It's unbelievable. We have, uh, you know, home inspectors finally getting back up on roofs again. It's like, it feels good. Feels really good. That means that spring is in the air. Oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. And, you know, and it continues to show us that in the numbers here in real estate. So as always, if you're new to the podcast, we're going to talk about the numbers here in, in Naperville with what's happening and buying and selling. And Todd's going to talk to us a little bit about what's happening with mortgage rates. And we're going to continue our conversation this week as we started last week about how do I buy and sell at the same time, which seems to be a big question for a lot of folks out there. So let's jump into this week's numbers. This week in Naperville, we had 71 new listings. You're going to see that these next three numbers, the ones that we go through every week, are almost exactly the same as they were last week. So we've actually had a pretty static week. 71 new listings in Naperville, 75 homes under contract, and 47 homes closed this week. So encouraging that the activity continues. It didn't ramp up just yet, but it's continuing. And I think we're going to see that ramping up, especially as Todd pointed out, now that the weather is starting to thaw a little bit. So let's take a look at the inventory. Inventory has been down, but the trend from the last few weeks continues. When we look at single family homes in the price range under $500,000 in Naperville, we're looking at a month's supply of inventory. Remember, that's just a figure that gives us the pace of the market of 2.71 months supply. That number is up for the fourth week in a row. So that means for the fourth week in a row in this price point, the inventory is climbing. Not substantially, but it is happening. And the days on market have climbed for the fourth week in a row as well. So again, we've said it several weeks in a row, but if you're waiting to sell, I would highly encourage you not to wait too much longer. We look at homes in the 500,000 to 1 million range. We are at 4.85 month supply of inventory. This number has kind of danced around that five and six number for the last month or so which really just means that we're flirting with a balanced market in that price point. I, I bet if you dialed down and looked at those numbers, probably on the lower end of that range, between 500 and maybe 700, it's probably favoring sellers still a little bit. But as we get towards those luxury price points, it's going to be favoring buyers. Now, when we look at homes over a million, not much of a change there. Looking at still about 14 months supply of inventory, roughly uh, seven months days on market to sell in that price range. So Todd, we've talked about yes. the inventory. What can you tell us about your world, mortgage rates, interest rates, any changes in regulation in your world? Talk to us about that. Well, I think a few things that everybody should know is number one is we have been talking about for months that the, the record lows of last year could not sustain themselves for a long duration of time, right? And then so over the last week, since the last time we talked, rates are up a half a percent, okay. believe it or not. So prospectively, let's put it in perspective. Yes, rates are creeping into the low threes right now. So big picture, 
A year ago, people would have loved to have a rate of 3% or 3 and an eighth percent, right? So people can't get stuck in the idea of, oh my gosh, rates are no longer in the twos. Well, you never know when they may pull back, but the reality is, is that higher rates are going to slow down the market just a smidge and create greater opportunity for buyers, right? And when you start looking back at the number of homes that have been bought and sold on an annual basis is somewhere around five to 5.1 million, depending on the year. When rates were at 9%, the same amount of houses were still being bought and sold. So interest rate is not the biggest factor. It's a factor of how can we help educate you and empower you in making this decision? So to give you an idea, over the last week, the last week with rates going up a half a percent based on, a, let's say, a mortgage amount of $250,000, you're seeing a 60 to $65 difference in payment. It's not the end of the world, right? And so there is so much opportunity. And hopefully we start seeing the, the building of homes for sale, right? Inventory start to come back to the market. I think great things are going to start happening, especially with rates going up a little bit. It's probably healthier for the market to see that happen. And I think secondly is we're starting to see a little bit more easing of money. And what that means is it's easier to get opportunities to, to find a loan um, if you're struggling in some, uh, some areas of your financial background. Like maybe your credit score wasn't as high as what you thought it should be. Never, ever don't think that this is a possibility. If you think your credit score is too low, call and ask, have a conversation about it. Because you know what? People think sometimes that, hey, if my credit's not perfect, I can't buy. That's not the truth. There is opportunities out there for all of us. And I would say that you'll probably see in the next 30 to 60 days, opportunities come out where people can start utilizing programs that put down as little money as possible for first-time homebuyers, which would be great as well. So there is so much going on in the market right now. I think that uh, I'm going to give you that dose for now, and then we can talk about more next week. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and you know, I agree. I think a lot of times when I talk to buyers, um, one of the biggest stumbling blocks for them is is just in their own head. And you know, and, and that's not to poke fun. We all have those things that we you know set limits for ourselves. And I think a lot of buyers will say things to themselves, like you said, like, "Well, I don't think I have the credit to do it," or "I, I mean, I don't think I have enough money," or in the in, in the point of interest rates, they'll say, "Well, gosh, you know, the rates ticked up. Maybe it's not the right time." And those are those are stumbling blocks that we place for ourselves that we I think can easily overcome if we have a conversation with someone like yourself to really talk through the numbers and say, "Okay, this is not as dire as I thought it was." Right. You really never know till you start painting the financial picture and getting a general understanding of what you can and can't do, right? Because ultimately, it doesn't matter how much house you buy. It matters what your monthly payment is. Yep. So let's start focusing on monthly payment of what you can afford. And then it gives you the opportunity to back in maybe what that purchase price may look like for you. Well, I'll give you a great example of that. I had a conversation with a buyer the other day who, you know, we started out looking at a, a certain purchase point and the home that they fell in love with was a little bit above that, about 25,000 above it. And so we started negotiating the deal and they got kind of cold feet and they thought, oh boy, I don't know, maybe it's a little more than we want to spend. And, you know, I encouraged them to talk with their lender and take a look at the actual number breakdown and the difference in price, you know, uh, monthly payment, you know, and they wound up finding out actually that because the tax assumption that they had made in their purchase plans early on was higher than this home was, they're actually going to pay less monthly than they were expecting to pay. So it was, it was really good that they had that conversation yeah. and walked through the numbers. 
There you go. You never know till you know. <laughs> so, all right. So we're going to continue our conversation from last week about how do I buy and sell? And, and I won't dwell on it big time, but last week we talked about a couple different options. We talked, first of all, if you have the financial ability to carry two mortgages for a short period of time and you have the funds, the liquid funds to be able to go ahead and put a down payment, that's probably going to be your best bet as far as you know feeling secure and feeling like you have a place to live before you sell. Now, right. what most people have to do, and you talk to us about different bridge opportunities to get a loan to cover that if you don't have the um, the funds to put down. But what most people find themselves in the situation, you tell me, because you talk to, you know, I know thousands of home buyers a year. Most people cannot carry two mortgage balances at once. Is that fair to say? I would say that's fair to say in, 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 in a marketplace that we're in, many don't want to carry two homes at a time because they, they know with the lack of inventory, their house is going to sell really quickly. And now they're concerned, yep. am I going to be able to find the perfect house for myself? Right. That's, ex that's exactly right. And so when I talk to these homeowners who are ready to sell and want to find something new and, you know, we've talked about this before. Nobody sit. The selling side is not the fun side. <laughs> Everybody wants to go shopping for a house and selling is just something that helps us achieve that goal of getting to the next home. Right. 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 So the way to do it that we we mostly encourage folks to do is to get a really solid game plan in place. Obviously start with the financing because I, I don't wanna have somebody put their home in the market and then find out after they talk to you, gosh, my credit took a big hit or I have these new debts and now I can't even buy. So starting there, but also, you know, getting the home is in good condition as possible, listening to their agent, you know, with the recommendations that they make. And then we can operate in one of two ways. We can either list the home and, get great offers. Once we accept an offer and take a contract, then go shopping for your home. That's option one. Now that scares a lot of people because then they think, well, gosh, what if I get a contract and then I go out and I can't find something? Well, that's why listening to your agent is so, so important because number one, if you get the condition of the home right, you allow your agent to do their job in marketing it ex excellently and you price it properly, Ideally, in a market like this, you'll get multiple offers and you'll be able to have some leverage with those sellers to be able to say, hey, I have to find a home. And so I want 60 days to close or I want 90 days to close. And in that right scenario, sellers have the ability to do that. Now, there's the other way to do it. And I've, I've found some success lately. And it only operates and it only works in a market with a crazy, crazy uh, quick days on market, but it's still not as sure, sure as that first scenario. And this scenario is this, is that we get the home ready, just like we talked about. We take the photos, we get it ready to go to market. We leave it off market and we go shopping. And we go shopping with a home sale contingency, but we provide a very detailed plan to the sellers to let them know the moment you say yes, we will activate that listing. Here is our plan for pricing. Here is what our marketing looks like. Here are our comps. And we get that property under contract as quickly as possible. So there's a couple of different options there. And you know, it just depends on your stomach and it depends on the market in your, in your specific area. Uh, I'm sure you've seen both of those work to success before. Is that right? Oh yeah. Well, <clears throat> I think when you're working with someone, um, 
the value is that we can always make it work any way you want it to work, right? And there's there's so many different ways to create this puzzle for yourself and put it all together that flexibility, just know that it's, that's available. We just have to have a game plan. I always tell people, listen, if, you, if you're looking to sell a home and buy a home, really start looking at it four to six months in advance. Because if you have to start doing something with the house or you want to do something with the house, you don't want to delay yourself from the possible opportunity to find the home of your dreams again, right? And then secondly is when you start looking at painting that financial picture, we just want to make sure there's no hiccups to overcome. You know, right? Sometimes there's something there that we have to take care of, but anytime you get into an experience where everything is moving into, hey, 60 days from now I have to move, it becomes very emotional very quickly because there's passion behind it. Are we going to be able to do it? All those sorts of things. So I think the value you're bringing to this conversation is, is there's planning and then we have to do it in advance. Yep. That's absolutely right. I mean, it's, it's one of the biggest transactions, financial transactions you will ever make in your life. And there's two things in life that I see people rush that they, they ought to not rush. Actually, I guess there's three things. <laughs> one would probably be marriage. <laughs> but, but when it comes to finances, it's purchasing a home and it's picking the college you want to go to. But these are, these are decisions that we make that cost us hundreds of thousands of dollars. And so, so please, please, please get in touch with someone like Todd ahead of time to talk about your financial readiness to buy and get in touch with someone like myself to talk about getting that plan together for selling and then buying. Uh, yep. Todd, Todd, what were you going to say something else? No, go ahead. All right. So last little piece for you. This is like, this is like mortgage 101. I had two buy or two sellers ask me this question this week and I was kind of, you were kind of teasing me off air about this one, but for anybody who's just a brand newbie to selling a home, Todd, tell me what happens to my money when I sell a house. If I'm selling a house today and we're going to go to the closing table and then I'm going to go buy one tomorrow, what happens to my money? Well, that's interesting. There's no briefcase and there's no <laughs> cash deposit, that's for sure. But what happens is one of two things happen is your attorney at the closing is either going to get a cashier's check and take that cashier's check to the next closing with them, them to meet you there. Or to make it really simple, they're just going to wire from one title company to the next. The key is you don't have to worry about it. And I think it's a legit concern because I don't want to carry around a check that big, whether it's 5,000 or 150,000, I'm responsible for this money now and it's more than just pocket cash. So Typically, your attorney will take advantage of that. And many times and most times, they're just going to wire the money from one title company to the other. So you don't have to think about it. Yeah, sure. And well, thank you. Thank you for explaining. And, and actually, you saying that brings up just one more thought is that this kind of goes along into the do your homework, do your prep. You know, it's just like anything, right? Like if you, yeah. if you don't know the answer, ask somebody who does. And yeah. don't don't feel like it's a stupid question because here's one thing that's real is that that wire fraud is a real thing, right? And yeah. that I mean, that's a that's a document that I go over with every single one of my buyers and sellers to let them know that, hey, if you get some email or phone call or whatever, some suspicious communication, even if it maybe isn't suspicious and they ask you to give banking information and you're just not 1000% sure that it's what's supposed to be happening, call up your lender, call up your realtor, call up your attorney, and ask, hey, is this okay? Because I've heard horror stories of people being, gosh, swindled out of tens of thousands of dollars and you don't want that to happen to you. I agree. Well, you know what? 
in this day and age, you've got to be safe and you got to do things securely, right? And even even pre-approvals now have to be secured, right? So anything that anybody can get an edge on you to possibly take from you, they will. That's the bottom line. Well, on that terrifying note, <laughs> we're going to leave you guys for this week with the podcast. No, thank you so much, Todd, as always. And we will be here next week. Make sure you check us out on all the platforms that we're on, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and on YouTube. Go to youtube.com slash Chris Grano. Be sure to check out my new podcast, Sweet Home Chicagoland. We dropped our very first episode last week, and we've got more of that and the Naperville Weekly Real Estate Market Update for you to come. Thank you, Todd. Have a good week. See you, everybody. Bye, everybody.